Welcome to the Sooners Extra Podcast. I, uh, this is Justin Martinez. I'm going to be hosting this one, uh, and hopefully I won't uh, burn the house down here uh, in the process. Um, I'm joined by the uh, our two columnists, Barry Trammell and Jenny Carlson, along with our other OU football beat writer, uh, Ryan Aber. To discuss a few headlines from OU head coach Brent Venables' Tuesday press conference, the main topic at hand, of course, just the state of the Sooners. They're on a three-game losing streak for the first time since 1998 and are now set to host number 19-ranked Kansas at 11 a.m. Saturday. Uh, one of the first things Venables was asked about today was fatigue. He said after the loss of Texas that his players looked um, just tired at times. They haven't had a bye week yet. That'll come next weekend. Uh, Ryan, starting with you, you know, we heard all offseason about players being Schmitty built, uh, really put to the test to develop better conditioning. Is it possible the players were pushed too hard before the start of the season? Or just how much do you factor that into the team's struggles as of late? I don't think so. And, and, and by the way, Justin, I get full confidence that you're not going to burn this thing down. Correct. Uh, I'm actually uh, on the road trying to make it to my nephew's football game since we have a rare Tuesday without some uh, – without – post-practice interviews, so uh, trying to, to catch him in action for the first time this season. But, no, I, I don't think, to me, that's probably not what Venables was referring to. I, I think it's just the uh, grind of the first part of the season, the, uh, the mental toll that this uh, losing streak has taken on his team, and uh, he's got to find a way to shake them out of that. One of the things he's done is – shifted up the schedule this week. Uh, he didn't give us much in the way of specifics, although I think the uh, cancellation of our normal Tuesday practice interviews may be uh, a little window into that. But I, I, I think it's just more about this season rather than what's gone on the last 10 months or so and, and certainly anything that, that Jerry Schmidt uh, brought aboard. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree. Um you know, another another headline, probably one of the biggest ones of the day is Brett Venables providing an update on Dylan Gabriel. Uh, Retro junior quarterback hasn't been able to play since OU's Week 5 game against TCU when he exited his second quarter following a targeting hit uh, into concussion protocol. And we talked to Dylan yesterday, which is already a good sign when it comes to his availability this weekend. Uh, he said he's still in concussion protocol but was full go at practice, feeling good. Brent said today that he expects Dylan to be available as long as he doesn't suffer any further setbacks these next few days and that he'll know if Dylan will be cleared by Thursday. Uh, Jenny, going to you, is it as simple as Dylan Gabriel coming back when it comes to the problems we've seen on offense? And if not, what are some other issues you're looking for the team to address this weekend? Well, it certainly can't hurt, right? I mean, obviously we saw how uh, ineffective the backup quarterback uh, situation was for Oklahoma last week. And really the week before, I mean, uh, I guess at TCU, the thought, you know, may, or maybe the hope um, from Sooners everywhere was, well, you know, a guy gets thrown in at the, you know, at the drop of a hat. He maybe hasn't had a ton of first team snaps, you know, maybe give him a week and see if maybe some things don't improve. But obviously that did not happen against Texas. Um, Davis Bubble, fairly ineffective. Uh, we saw a little bit of Nick Evers, but r really limited. And, you know, I mean, obviously the fact that Oklahoma would use the wildcat formation. So uh, predominantly, I think, is a sign of just how they felt they needed to do something different to get anything 
uh, positive out of their offense. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Dylan Gabriel's return will be important at whatever point he comes back. My suspicion, I, I'm, I'm obviously not a medical professional, but as I understand about concussions, you know, every day they do a little bit more and a little bit more. And if I was guessing, it doesn't sound like Dylan Gabriel did anything in the way of contact last week. And obviously, you know, quarterbacks in practice aren't going to take much contact as it is. So, but as he takes more and more, um, you know, mental strain, takes more and more physical activity, they'll continue to go through those tests and make sure he doesn't have a relapse in any symptoms of that concussion. And unless that happens, yeah, I would assume that he is likely to play. But um, if it does happen, Oklahoma has a pretty good track record of, you know, handling concussions in the proper manner and getting guys back healthy. So um, it may not be until later this week that Oklahoma has a really firm idea of what they've got at quarterback for Saturday. Yeah, and I, I'm going to jump in there. Uh, you know, Brent Venable said today that he would know on Thursday, but got a chance to talk to uh, Dylan Gabriel last night, and, and he said that uh, tonight, tonight's practice and, and tomorrow's practice, Wednesday's practice, will be the, uh, the, the critical times because that's when they step up their activity level. There's a little bit more contact, even though, like Jenny said, uh, quarterbacks don't get a whole lot of contact during the week generally, but he'll be able to get a little bit better sense of, of where he is and also uh, to see if he does have any of those setbacks that would prevent him from returning on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you guys have mentioned, we obviously saw what the offense or we have seen what the offense has looked like uh, without Dylan Gabriel. Uh, Barry, you know, the, Zero points against Texas, shutout, first time since uh, 98. I mean, just what are some of the outside of obviously not having Gabriel, what are some of the other issues that you've seen with this offense that they're going to have to correct if they want to compete this weekend against Kansas? Oh, you know, I think uh, Gabriel's accuracy, first of all, they're not beating anybody without Gabriel. That much we know. So as long as he's playing, you'd like him to be a little more accurate. Um, you'd like to see a few more home run plays. The offensive line's actually been pretty good. It's as good as I thought it was going to be. Brent today said, you know, uh, Bill Biedenboe's got a really high uh, threshold. But, but Brent said, I think they've been playing pretty good and they've been running the ball okay. Um, so uh, I actually think if they, can just get, if they can get Gabriel back and let him – make plays, I think they're going to be okay on offense. They're not going to be what they've been in the past with uh, with the Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts era. But, you know, I think this offense can be uh, in the neighborhood of what it's been the last two years. So it, it's, it's going to come down to that silly defense, you know, doing something. This isn't a historically bad three-game stretch. I'm not sure we saw anything like this in 18 when things were going so sour. But, um, you know, I, I, after, the, after the Red River, watching Wildcat for, I don't know, 60% of a game, watching Texas shut out the Sooners, I think the sight of Dale and Gabriel just trotting out on the field is going to make everybody feel better. <laughs> now, what, we, what I found interesting was – Theo Weiss not playing coach's decision. Now I'm not sure they've got enough great receivers 
that they can go be losing somebody like Theo Weiss. So I'm, I'm anxious to keep an eye on the entire receiving court. Yeah, I, I, I wonder, Barry, if that wasn't about blocking his, his ability to block, knowing what they needed to do as far as the Wildcat package. Now, the response to that would also be, then why do you have Davis Bevel sitting out there wide for as many plays as he was? Uh, but, you know, not having Theo Weiss on the field, they didn't use Jaden Gibson at all in this game. He's played more and more over the last few weeks. So I, I wonder if it wasn't uh, something like that that led to Theo Weiss uh, not making it onto the field Saturday. Well, I, you, you could be right. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I know why they had Davis Bevel out there in the Wildcat because if he comes off the field, then, then uh, the Longhorns take – a defensive back or two out of the game, put in a couple of more linebackers and or defensive linemen because they know you're not throwing the ball. So, you know, uh, I understand why he was used as a decoy, not as a decoy that they might throw it to him, but as at least makes Texas sort of keep some smaller defenders out on the, out on the field in case he actually did take a snap. Yes. Thinking on the, on the subject of, of backup quarterbacks, you know, Barry, you asked Brent today about uh, the backup situation across the big 12. We've seen Max Duggan really thrive in place of Chandler Morris at TCU. We've seen Hudson Card give some good protection for, for Texas while Quinn Ears missed time. Uh, and then obviously we've seen what's been happening with Dylan Gabriel out. You know, you essentially brought in a new quarterback room this off season, unlike TCU in Texas, which had returning experience. Um, you know, when Brent was asked about the revolving door of quarterbacks due to the transport, he said he doesn't think it has to be that way. Returning quarterback death can still be developed over the years. Uh, you know, while that might be possible to other programs, is that is that wishful thinking, Barry, at a place like Oklahoma where if you're backup and you're good, you're likely going to be able to just go start somewhere else, right? It's hard. It's going to be hard. People have done it. I mean, your man Hudson Card down at Austin, he stuck around even though he clearly knew he wasn't going to be the quarterback. Um uh, Jason Bean at Kansas coming to town, um, you know, is, is a very experienced backup. At Texas Tech, they've used two backups this year to stunning success. Uh, and these are guys that were around last year. So, and of course, Max Dugan is the ultimate example. He, he could have uh, taken off as soon as they gave the job to Chandler Morris. So it can be done. What the kind of stuff Brent's talking about can be done. But to me, it is going to be difficult um, because quarterbacks only one plays. You want you want to play. Casey Thompson's the ultimate example. The Sooners could have had uh, and tried to convince Casey Thompson to come here and compete with Dylan Gabriel for the starting job. He clearly was not going to win it. So he'd rather be the starter at Nebraska than the backup at OU. And who can blame him for that? I can't blame him for that. So it's going to be difficult, but both – both Brent and Mike Gundy this week have, have said this is what they want to do. They want to try, you know, recruit quarterbacks and try to keep them here. How you do that? I don't know. The Sooners couldn't keep Tanner Mordecai or Spencer Rattler or Austin Kendall or even Trevor Knight, who was the sort of the ultimate Sooner. They couldn't keep any of those guys here for the totality of their career. I, I don't know how they do it moving forward. Yeah, staying with, with quarterbacks, actually, before, uh, just a little bit before this, we started this spaces, uh, there's an update on Jalen Daniels, Kansas's quarterback. 
who got hurt in the last game against TCU. Uh, Lawrence Journal World's uh, Zach Boyer. Uh, the Dan is expected to miss the rest of the season with a grade three separation in his right shoulder. Obviously a really tough uh, for a guy who has been playing really well and played a big part in sort of the resurgence of this Kansas program. Um, you know, next up, you figure the guys is going to be uh, Jason Bean. Jenny, just what, I mean, how big of a loss is this for Kansas? And we've obviously seen Bean uh, from last season. What can uh, maybe we expect from him this weekend? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Jalen Daniels has been huge for Kansas resurgence. I mean, I think there's a lot of positive things going on. It's not that he's the only reason that they've gotten so much better, but clearly his performance has been has has helped in the transformation of what we've seen out of that program. So obviously, it's a big loss. But I do think, I mean, I think last week is probably a, a fairly telling uh, tale. You know, we saw Jason Bean perform well. Um, you know, do some things effectively, but then when they needed to make some, you know, sort of must make plays down the stretch, hit a receiver open, um, you know, do some things like that. He was just a little off. And that's, that's probably why, you know, you see Jalen Daniels as the starter at the beginning of the year and being as the backup, there, there's a reason that he didn't win that job. And I think that showed in crunch time. So is that how it's always going to be? I mean, I don't know. I, I, maybe if he, gets more in that, you know, first uh, first team rotation, gets more practice under his belt. Maybe that changes his accuracy and his effectiveness. But um, I, it, I think it does hurt um, Kansas and, and what they, uh, you know, have without Jalen Daniels. He's, he, was, he was dynamic for them in a lot of ways. So I think losing him is a big loss. But that team, I think, is better than just one guy. So I don't think by any means it's a situation where, Kansas gets that news and thinks, well, all is lost in our chances to go to Norman and win. I think they still have to think that they can, they can go to OU and, and score a win. First time, be the first time since 1997 that Kansas would have beaten Oklahoma. Yeah, Jenny, I mean, like you mentioned, the, really it seems like regardless of who's going to be at quarterback for Kansas, OU's defense just in general has to play better, has to make more stops. Uh, Going to that side of the ball, we got a few updates on guys. Uh, Shane Witter, uh, linebacker for the Sooners, Brent confirmed that he's going to be missing the rest of the season uh, with a uh, he's going to require surgery for a, a shoulder injury. Uh, not a lot of depth already at that linebacker spot, Ryan. I mean, just I guess just more bad news, I guess for that for that group, right? Yeah, it's really tough, and clearly they didn't trust Shane Witter to. Uh play any significant amount you know before the injury I mean heck we saw uh, that, you know when they started struggling against uh, Kansas State they never inserted uh, Witter in, in that game and then uh, against TCU the next week he just plays I think it was four plays comes onto the field and almost as quickly is uh, pulled back off they're relatively early in the game. So uh, they, they've got some serious issues. And I, I think that's why you see a guy like Kip Lewis play a little bit last week. They just want to sort of see what they can get out of him. I know he's made some strides and they feel decent about the progress that he's made over the last few weeks. But I think they're going to push those things even more because they've got to find somebody else. At some point, if what you're doing isn't working, even if normal 
your normal thinking, your conventional wisdom would say, hey, this guy's better prepared than this guy or, uh, you know, this this scheme is better suited than this scheme. At some point, you've got to decide to do something a little bit differently. And it sounds like they're at least starting to, to tinker with some of those things, not only with uh, Kip Lewis, but we saw, you know, we've seen Jaden Rowe and, and uh, Gentry Williams and Robert Spears Jennings and a couple other guys uh, play more and more. I think Jamarian Burt even uh, made the field for a couple of defensive snaps on Saturday. So uh, they're, they're clearly trying some different things, but there's only so much you can do. You know, before the season when uh, uh, TD Roof went down with an injury and we knew that he was going to be lost for the season, it wasn't, didn't seem like it made that big of that many waves. But looking back, how big is that injury that they lose him and the versatility that he brought to that spot, the experience that he brought to that spot, the knowledge of uh, his dad's defense that he brought to that spot. And, uh, you know, that, that was a big loss for them in hindsight. But they're not going to be able to uh, – uh, they can only do so much at the linebacker spot uh, here the rest of the season. Yeah, and sticking with the defense, uh, one guy whose name was was brought up that actually got a really um, lengthy response from from Brent uh, was Justin Broyles. Uh, he's been described as a, a kind of a, a bit of a, a lightning rod for for OU fans, someone who has drawn a lot of criticism. Um, really, in addition to the whole secondary, which obviously has not been great as of late, um, but Brent really kind of stood up for him, mentioned that. Just off the field, his leadership this is a guy who's a, a redshirt fifth-year uh, defensive back, someone who has made a lot of sacrifices for this team. Uh, just Barry, what was what was your reaction to uh, to to Brent's response for that? Obviously, standing up for uh, for for one of his guys there. Well, I think it's a pretty typical reaction from a fifty-one-year-old football coach when someone suggests what people are saying on social media, which is quite a bit of disgust and um, and uh, dismissive of of uh, the people on there criticizing football players um, you know I don't know I don't get on there and see what anybody's saying about about uh, Justin Broyles but I can tell you this it's uh, I sort of agree with Brent it's silly I mean I know they they get Kenny easily. Let's make it a sooner. Uh, put Roy Williams at safety for Justin Broyles. It's not. It's not improving this OU defense appreciably. It's they got holes everywhere. So I don't know how Justin Broyles has been playing, but he's if he's if he's to blame for for what's going on, it's a small piece of the pie. So um, I, I did laugh at Brent. You know he he talked about it quite as you said talked about it quite a bit. And, Wanted to know, you know, why anybody would do that. And then at the end, he just sort of looked off into the distance and said, that's weird. And he didn't mean it whimsically. He meant, you know, there's some sad people out there. So not surprising um, that somebody like Venables would would react that way. Yeah, you know, obviously Burroughs has had his his struggles. Um, You know, the the whole secondary has. But um, like we mentioned, this is a guy who – has really taken on a leadership role. He was a team captain for this this game against Texas. Uh, was also recently highlighted 
in uh, the Big 12's Champion for Life series, which is kind of just highlighting um, inspiring student-athletes. Uh, Jenny, I guess just struggles aside, I mean, just how much is, um, you know, the value in having a guy like that when even if he's not playing his best ball, I mean, there's still value in guys who are, are able to kind of lead off the field as well, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think I think it's important, too, to, to remember – that you know, Broyles is is an Oklahoma guy. You know, he's a he's a state he's, he's bred in Oklahoma, and I think those guys have always been important. Um, when you look at times that you know Oklahoma's had some success, I think having guys that are from the state and that have you know that that connection to OU and you know it's important for them to play there. I mean, obviously, everybody that commits there has an affinity and a reason for doing that. But I think when it's your, you know, it's your school, it's a school that you've followed and that you've loved. I think, you know, if you think about um, when when Venables was here previously, you know, it was guys like Rocky Kalmus and Teddy Lehman and J.D. Runnels and uh, Trent Smith, guys that, you know, were, uh, were, were, you know, maybe not the best player, although, you know, Rocky Kalmus, you could argue, um, was that guy. Teddy Lehman potentially was that guy sometimes. But they always had guys that were from the state of Oklahoma, Frank Romero, um, you know, not necessarily all defensive guys, but guys that were from the state and who really took it seriously uh, playing for Oklahoma. And not to say that they haven't had those guys in the last few years, but I think having guys like Justin Broyles, Ethan Downs, um, you know, guys that do have those heartstrings to the OU program. You know, I think that's important uh, for for any program to have that. You know, um, they talk about in recruiting. You know, sealing the borders. And yeah, if you're an Oklahoma program, you want to you want to get the best players from your state, and then go get the best players from anywhere else. But it's not just getting the best players. It's also you know, having those guys that do have that personal connection. So, um, yeah, Broyles hasn't been great. Like Barry said, you know, you could put any number of great sooner secondary players from the past in his position, and there'd still be a lot to be desired out of this defense. It's a struggle for all those guys out there. So for one guy to sort of take the brunt of all of that seems a little bit off to me because he's definitely not the only one at fault. Um, and that's it's not just players. There's There's got to be – when you, when you have something like what we're seeing right now, it's a top-to-bottom blame. It's everybody has a part in, uh, in a, uh, in a uh, mess like we're seeing right now from the Sooners. For sure. Uh, you know, Brennan also mentioned that, you know, people are going to remember this team by how we finish. Um, they're 3-3 three and three right now, fighting just to, to really make a bowl game. Uh, Ryan, going back to you, I mean, obviously there weren't a lot of bright spots from that, that game against Texas. Uh, if you had to to sift, I guess through that the the rubble there, just what are some things that maybe they can try to build on as they they do try to um, change, I guess, the narrative of this season. Oh gosh, it's tough just because that game was so one so bad and and two they hope offensively so different from what they're doing the rest of the way. But you look at Eric Gray once again. He's done it all year, been really consistent, obviously uh, a different situation on Saturday, but I thought handled handled it well outside of the interception, but that's not what he's generally asked to do, so it's hard to dock him too much for that. You know, I, I thought for me, 
this game sort of highlighted the need to continue to focus on getting the ball to Jaleel Farouk. Uh, he had uh, 60 yards on the ground, the, the uh, most for the Sooners uh, in that game. I, I, I think he's gotten better and better over these last uh, few weeks. They've just got to get a quarterback who can get him the ball consistently. But, you know, even when they can't, they've used a couple of those guys, Farouk and Marvin Mims especially. Heck, they've lined up at running back at times, whether it's to get the ball on, uh, you know, some kind of handoff or a a shovel pass situation or to get them moving out to the perimeter and uh, try to to get them the ball the traditional way, passing them. Uh, So, you know, I, I think Farouk is one. And then, uh, you know, going back to what Barry was talking about, the offensive line, I, I thought that they performed well overall. I think Juan Game Morris continues to, to uh, uh, get uh, better and better. And I, I think we're certainly seeing why, finally, that uh, he was so highly thought of when he came here out of Tennessee. You know, we'll see how that uh, group continues to go. And then, Uh, defensively, honestly, about the only good thing that you can point to is just, uh, you know, hopefully getting some of those young players reps, those guys that I talked about, Kip Lewis, uh, Gentry Williams, Robert Spears Jennings, Jamarian Burt, that somehow you can find lightning in a bottle with one or two of those guys and find something that you can use the rest of the way to uh, turn things around uh, on that side of the ball. For sure. Well, I think uh, all that's left is really to start giving out these uh, our predictions for this one. Uh, Barry, if, if you've got a score, I'll go ahead and start with you. Just how do you think one is going to end up this weekend? Well, I'm, uh, I uh, am living in a bizarre world. I needed a good Big 12 upset special this week. So I decided I was going to take Kansas over Oklahoma as the upset special. Um it's crazy to me. Everything about this game is crazy. Is is that cheating a bit, Barry? Uh, yes, but it's. I mean, it's found money is what it is. So um, if if people want to get involved in that kind of thing, gambling nature, um, you know, I'm going to take advantage of it. Kansas is is an underdog only because of betters who don't know what they're doing and just bet on names, which is. I'm told a decent number of Americans. So I took Kansas 34-30. Now, I reserve the right to change between now and when I have to post it at 1 o'clock tomorrow, 2 o'clock, with the Jalen Daniels, um, with the Jalen Daniels decision uh, to uh, to be lost for the season. But um, I like I like what Kansas is doing. They've been they've been they've won a lot of different ways. They've won, you know, they beat. They beat West Virginia 55-42 in overtime, and they beat Iowa State 14-11. to So they've really done a nice job winning in a lot of different ways. So until the Sooners prove to me that they can start tackling people, I'm going to go with Kansas. That's fair enough. Uh, Jenny, what, what say you? Yeah, I'm going with the Jayhawks as well, and um, I, uh, I think I've got them 28-24. Um, which again, I might adjust the score depending on, um, if we hear any more about, you know, Dylan Gabriel up or down, uh, which we may not, but, um, I think it is more a question of defense, uh, on the OU side. Can they get, 
can they get to, you know, the Kansas quarterback? Can they affect, uh, you know, the, the slow the Kansas running game? Can they tackle some people? Um, and I agree with Barry in terms of the way that Kansas has won games. It hasn't all been in, you know, similar fashion. They've figured out ways to win uh, low scoring, high scoring. So to me, that uh, that bodes pretty well. And, you know, I just think right now there's a lot of confidence. There has to be a lot of confidence in Kansas, even though they lost last week to TCU. You know, this is a team that has already won more than, you know, they've won in decade um, at this point. It's, uh, you know, it's it, it's already um, an you know, exceeding expectations sort of year. And Oklahoma is obviously the pressure's on. You know, they got to find some wins here to get bowl eligible, which is crazy to even think and talk about. But it's the truth. You know, they got to figure out a way to get to six. And there aren't, a, there aren't easy wins in the Big 12 this year. So this is like almost a must win. Um, so I think that there's some pressure on Oklahoma. And it's just it's crazy to think. But I, I, I just like Kansas in this game. Ryan, what, what about you? Yeah, I, I've got to go that way as well. I never thought that we'd be sitting here. You know, I never thought a few months ago that we'd be sitting here talking about this game and have a a near uh, unanimous. Uh, uh, and if Justin uh, goes this direction, a unanimous decision on uh, Kansas winning this game. But it, clearly, OU's defense is in shambles right now. It's hard. They they've struggled at linebacker without Billy Bowman, who we haven't even mentioned. They've uh, really struggled at secondary over these last couple games, tried some different stuff. It's just hard to see them turning that around to a significant degree. And Kansas, even without Jalen Daniels, has had quite a bit of success on, on offense as they did with the, you know, being last week with the four touchdown passes. Yes, he threw the interception, wasn't perfect, but was still really, really good. So I, I think I'm assuming Dylan Gabriel comes back, expect him to. That means OU's offense is going to put up some points. I don't think it's going to be enough as Kansas uh, edges out the Sooners 31-28 to 28 in this one. Yeah, I am going to complete the uh, unthinkable here, complete the sweep. I'm going to go with uh, Kansas 28-27. to 27. Um, Also assuming that Dylan Gabriel is able to play. If not, then OU's point total is uh, probably going to be lower than that. But, you know, I mean – like Jenny had mentioned, this Kansas team is coming in with a lot of momentum, a lot of confidence. Um, you know, I, I trust in the uh, they've got they've got good quarterback up right now. Where Jason Bean looked looked good against TCU as well, gave them a chance to win the game. Um, so yeah, I mean, until I really until I see more out of the defense, you know, I can't just bank on on this offense outscoring people, even with Dylan Gabriel in the mix. So I'm going to go with Kansas in this one. Uh, 28 to 27, completing the sweep. But uh, that is all that we have uh, for this episode of the Sooners Extra podcast. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. Um, and no fires here. The place is not burned down, so that is also good. Uh, good work, Justin. Thanks for uh, taking the reins on that one. For sure. Um, but, yeah, again, thank you, for everyone, for listening. We will be right back at this uh, after the game against Kansas at 11 a.m. Saturday. Uh, So hopefully you guys will tune in for that as well. Uh, Thank you, Ryan, Jenny, Barry, and uh, see you guys next time.